Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC football with Coach Harvey Hyde. The Trojans are on a 13-game winning streak. They are 4-0 in the 2017 season. Some fans still aren't happy about it, so we've got a lot of questions. We've got a lot of concerns. We're going to talk about all of that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. If you have questions for us, you can email podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text to 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. That's four two four two five four nine one four one. Please make sure those emails go to podcast at uscfootball.com and not my email. We have uh, our, our buddy Connor, an intern, helping us out now. He's going to categorize all the questions for us because we get so many. If it doesn't go to that email address, we're not going to get it on the air. So make sure you send it to that email address. And like I said before, keep them short, keep them concise. Voicemails under a minute. Uh, and we'll make sure we get them on. If they're too long and, and, you know, if they're not addressed to somebody in particular, they just want to, uh, you want to rant about everything that happened in the game. You can do that on the uscfootball.com message board. But for the podcast, we need to keep it quick and concise. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristyle podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, all those. Leave us positive feedback. Leave us a five star rating. All of that helps. And, uh, let's talk to the coach. You can follow him on Twitter at coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. It's a beautiful Monday morning uh, here in Southern California. We don't know where you are out there. Trojans had a big win this weekend. Uh, and, uh, again, they travel again for a short week up to uh, Pullman. I'll tell you what, I'd love to have been on the plane flying back. It's nothing like flying back from a win on the road. And, again, this week I'd be telling my players and stuff as we prepare for the game, I'd say, hey, we got an extra day to celebrate, so let's go up there on Friday, get a big win, fly back together, a little longer flight, enjoy our victories, and move on and have our third Pac-12 victory. So it's uh, great. You mentioned it, 13 straight, 17 consecutive points in the fourth quarter to wrap it up in about a three-minute period. So uh, let's get into the questions that everybody has. Yeah, I wanted to thank our sponsor. First off, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for upcoming home games for USC or any sporting event across the country or even like a concert. You want to go see your favorite you know, musical, band, instru- whatever you want to do, you can do that. Uh, theater, you want to go see a play, take your wife, take your girlfriend, something like that. You can go to sctickets.com and they can help you out. And uh, they've been working with me and Coach Harvey Hyde for many, many years. We do appreciate that. We're also going to talk some. Uh, we're going to talk some sports betting, a little odds at the end of the show. Um, so uh, we're going to have uh, Joe Duffy, who's a CEO from Offshore Insiders, going to talk about the betting lines and stuff. Uh, another week that USC did not cover the spread. So we'll we'll talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, Coach, uh, we do have a lot of questions, so maybe we'll just kind of jump. Uh, right into it. Let's, uh, let's go. We'll go to our voicemail. Here you go. Hello, Ryan. Go Giant. Don Archer here. I'm concerned about the team's total combined effort, meaning both sides of the ball. The offense and defense just seems like they are not playing at a high level according to their athletic ability. They need to have an attitude and play right from the start of the game. Hey, if you think you're going to beat us, you better think again. Establish and set that tone early. Also, the play calling concerning critical third downs is just not going to produce positive results. Sam needs to get out of the play call when he sees the defense stack up between the tackles. They're either a play going wide or slip the tight end out into a flat for the pass. The play calling is just not creative enough. And, hey, what's up with Marshall falling down on pass coverage? This is the second time he's fell down. Anyway, it was a great win for USC. Fight on, USC. Well, Donald, you've got some questions there. Uh, We'll try to answer them as quickly as we can since we have many callers. First of all, 
Uh, yeah, there is a uh, killer attitude you have to have. You have to learn to accept the pressure that you're in. You have to like the pressure that you're in. You've got to prove to somebody, yes, we are who we are, and we like being that individual, so you better get out of the way or we're going to run you right over or pass through you or whatever it takes to win. And I think this is a developing period with a young bunch of players that have to do this, but I agree it has to come along here quickly. And they can't talk about it. They can't talk about their effort. They can't talk about hitting people or doing what they have to do. They have to demonstrate that by their play on the field as far as offensively and defensively. And they've got to start early enough in the game to be able to accomplish this and make people feel as though they are who they are. And we're going to have trouble beating them. As long as you allow someone to stay in the game, it harder, harder it is for you to convince them that they ought to quit or they're not going to be able to beat you. And uh, when you let somebody hang around for a long period of time, this momentum starts to gain, and uh, one day you're not going to be able to catch up or stop the momentum. So I think that's something that USC has to do. They have to start faster. They can't start slow. And you know what's amazing, Donald, is on the opening drives of almost every single game, the Trojans have done a great drive and gone down and scored or put themselves in great field position but then they have allowed the opponent to come back. So uh, that's sort of amazing how they open the game so strong, and then they sort of hit this plateau where they're not continuing with the rhythm that they start the game. And this is what you talk about as far as play calling. That's the second part of your question. Uh, play calling is a rhythm, Donald. You know, you are a quarterback. You know the understanding of it. If you stop this, I'm going to do that. If you do that, I'm going to do this. You're not going to stop everything I do, especially when I have better players than you do. And that's basically what it comes down to. And I think right now there isn't any rhythm in the play calling. Uh, yes, you, you can't run the ball all the time in the same area. You have to run the ball everywhere. Now, this last week they did run stretch a couple times, and they made good yardage to the outside. And that would open up more of the inside or off-tackle plays. But again... You've got to get into a rhythm. You've got to hold the backside. And I've been talking about this now for, I don't know, as long as the, after the first game, there's nothing coming back to the backside to hold anybody. At halftime, I tweeted out, please bootleg. Please go back away from where the flow of the play is going. Come back, sprint out, hit the flat, hit the corner, hit the, hit the deep corner uh, with the guy in the flat or the back in the flat or bring him back across the face of your program, of your formation and put him out in the flat and there'll be nobody there to cover him. So, you know, these are the things you have to do to be able to slow down a team. Otherwise, they load up one area and they just say, keep running there. And if you don't make that change, they're going to eventually stop you because they have more guys than you do in the area you're running. So you've got to get to the backside, and I, and I don't know when they're going to do that, but it's wide open whenever they want to do that and give, uh, you know, Darnold the option of run, pass, and uh, hit the ball. And again, what's happening? They're a right-sided football team. They do everything to the right. If you uh, chart it, and I, uh, you will see that most of their touchdown passes are to the right. They sprint to the right. I don't know if they sprint to the left very often. I'm not saying they haven't. They probably have. Uh, not that they don't run to the left, but they like to run to the right. They have, they've had nice holes to the left. But if you run to the left, you can bootleg to the right, and that's Art Darnold's best area as far as doing that. But you've got to be able to hold the left side so you can come back around there and throw it. But you've got to be able, if you're running the ball to the right, you've got to be able to boot and do things that jet sweep, reverse sweep, as far as uh, a quick handoff with Mitchell or uh, uh, Burnett coming across the face of the program, so it holds the backside. So we'll see if that happens, and uh, they should make those adjustments. Your, your final question I don't want to go too long is uh, Marshall. Marshall, and you've heard me talk about this the entire time. I'm not going to say it again, but you've heard it repeated. I'm just going to say I don't feel he's a corner. He's too big, he's too stiff, and he doesn't have confidence out there. You know, we've talked about the cockiness that a corner has to have, and he didn't show that cockiness to me that he's willing to challenge, challenge anybody. He has a fear that people are going to run by him. He doesn't look coordinated in tackling or covering. And uh, he doesn't settle up on the tackle. If you watch that, when he's, fall, when he fall, when he's fallen even on the run, he's not in a position to make a hit. Nothing against the kid. 
It's just sometimes hard to play a position you're not fit to play. And that's basically my uh, my answers to those questions. Yeah, he did have a nice strip that you know, the, the runner was down, but that was a nice – at least he you know, kind of covered up a nice play to follow up. Um, Robert and Downey, uh, he said, we've heard – this is a text message he sent in. We've heard that the team is a work in progress, which to some extent is true. Can you Can the same thing be said about T. Martin as an offensive coordinator – is he also a work in progress? Thanks, Robert and Downey, class of 2000. Well, you know, when you're an offensive coordinator on the level of USC and, you want in, and you're in one of the elite programs, you're not supposed to be a work in progress, okay? I think I don't know what he makes, but whatever he makes, he's being paid handsomely for it. Uh, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. He's got other great qualities as far as being a great recruiter and so on. And it's not easy calling a game it's really not easy but you've got to have you know uh, be able to take suggestions from people you've got to be able to see the entire field you can't just watch the point of attack you've got to watch the whole field to see exactly what the backside is doing and what might be open you've got to be able to determine uh, crossing routes against man defense you've got to be able to make sure your receivers are not by side by side they run a they run a seam right route there two seams two receivers go down the seam and they're five yards apart the one pass that got intercepted i mean that's not right you've got to be able to recognize that and you've got to be able to make sure that the spacing on the field by your receivers make the defensive secondary cover the entire field i did notice that petite the tight end did slide to the open area more and uh did sit down and and stay there and uh donald hit him I think they know they use the tight end more in the flat and down the field, but I think you also need to use him in the middle of the field, especially uh, when you have a flanker his way. You don't want to do it when you have a uh, triple set away because then they can cover him to the tight side. So you want to be able to put more mismatches, I think, against their secondary, but they're getting there, and I, and I hope, I just hope that, that T gets uh, into a rhythm and the team gets into a rhythm, and uh, you get that done. As far as me saying he's a work in progress, I don't want to make that decision. All right, let's. Uh, we'll go to the next question. This one's from John. He said he had two observations and a question. Both sides of the line look like they need improvement. And then two, Jack Jones was sick and tired of being called out on all the podcasts last week and came up with two interceptions. And then question for Coach Hyde. You mentioned last week that the offense needs to run more misdirection plays. During one possession, they did and had great success. Why stop? All my best to you guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Ryan and the crew. Uh, my rides to work are more enjoyable. That's from John. Well, make sure you buckle up on the way, too. I don't want to get you too excited when we have an accident or something. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, Ryan, he's exactly right. I thought early in the game that both offensive and defensive lines were getting dominated by Cal. Cal was delivering the blow. They were the hammer, and USC was the nail. I really thought that. They really got themselves uh, in a good push and put a pass rush on uh, Sam and also stopped the run. And I really thought they, 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 they played very strongly. As the game went along, they did improve the offensive line and the defensive line. And during that fourth quarter, three- or four-minute period, they were very fortunate with a tip and a fumble and an interception and so on to turn the game around and come up with a 30-20 victory. Uh, yes, the lines are the dictators of a football game, offensively and defensively, and you've got to come out mad, and uh, I don't want to say the word of the, at the world, okay? It's got to be that, you know, you're not afraid if your elbows get bruised, dirty, uh, cut, doesn't make any difference. you got to win even if you have to hold and get away with it. You've got to be able to attack and be the aggressor. You can't be the retreater. You've got to be the one hitting the blow. You've got to be owning the line of scrimmage. And, the, and early in the game, they did not own the line of scrimmage. You've got to own the line of scrimmage. The main game that I thought they owned the line of scrimmage was against Stanford, okay? They've got to still live up to that type of ability to be that type of football team. Now, let me justify this by saying that USC can do this, but they're their own. They hurt themselves by not keeping the defense off balance. You know, you can help your offensive line and defensive line by mixing up things and, and stunning and showing different defenses and 
make it a lot of easier so the offensive line of your opponent, you know, someone isn't that aggressive because they're not sure who they're supposed to block. And on the offensive side, you've got to keep the opponent's defense a little bit more off off balance by saying, you know, we're not sure they're going to do what they're going to do. We can't have formation tendencies, or you can't overload the right side of the line on a passing situation and bring an extra guy that can't be blocked because you know that Donald's going to be flushed out to the right and go that way. So you've got to be able to assist your your offense and your defense by keeping both sides of the ball off balance more. And I think that's I think that's something that needs to be due. You can't hurt yourself. You can't have tendencies like uh, I kept tweeting out on third down. And and Ryan, you 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 see my tweets. I kept saying, hey, when it's third and five or third and seven, don't pass the ball, run the ball. And in the second part of the game, they did. And they were making first downs. They were making nine yards, ten yards on a run. So, you know, you don't always have to pass the ball when it's third and long. Or when I call long, five plus. So make sure that you keep a defense off balance by doing these type of things. And then they're not sure what to call on defense, but you're keeping them off balance. Same thing with the backside. So I think that's the best way to answer that. We had uh, Paul in Virginia... I had a, a voicemail, man, Paul, I feel bad. It's just, it was like two minutes long. So this is too long, but, um, he had, uh, you know, similar concerns about counterplays and misdirections. So you already talked about that. So thanks for that one, Paul. Uh, Jay of Pomona said, I know people will look at the amount of interceptions from last game and think our DBs played well. However, can you coach, can you or the coach explain to us why our DBs are always falling in coverage and never playing the ball? Too often our DBs get beaten man coverage. Do we work on man-to-man ball skills during practice? I thought Ross and Langley played well in coverage while in the game. Thanks, fight on, Jay and Pomona. Man, it's tough, man. The secondary comes up with all those interceptions, and uh, people still aren't happy, Coach. Well, you know why? Because these are football guys, and they're watching techniques, and they're watching the game very closely. And you do make great plays, and they do make interceptions, which you've got to congratulate them on. They really do that. And that's The turnovers is what made the difference in the Cal game. What, six turnovers? You can have six turnovers if you're Cal and expect to win the football game. You can't. But, again, you look at other mistakes that are being made, and you say, wow, I'll tell you, this is a five-star guy, and he, you know, he's not making the tackle, he's not settling up, and he's not doing the basic techniques that you should do when you're in the open field or whatever's necessary to do. And I, I want to tell you, uh, Jones did play a better game, Jack. I, I want everybody to know he improved. And he's improved steadily throughout the entire year. I want to say that. He's get, getting more confidence. He's in a better position. He's starting to look back at the pass. He's not hanging all over the guy. So he's improving as a first-year starter. Now, Marshall is a second-year starter. So, you know, you've got to look at this, or maybe he's a third-year starter. I'm not quite sure what he is, but you've got to be able to see improvement in your techniques and the way you play the game. And he has the athletic ability to do that, so you start to say, what's the what's problem here? What's going on? Is it coaching? Is it coordination? Is it athletic ability? What is it? Well, there's a sense that I see that he lacks a little bit of confidence, and he gets himself all tied up, and he's not in a good football position. And that's, that's because he's thinking more than what he's doing as far as playing. He's got to be able to play and get into the play and challenge the receivers and, and this and that. And, you know, I think mixing up your secondary coverages, too, uh, showing a tight man type of play when the quarterback looks out at the receivers and then drop off. Sometimes, you know, you're dropped off at the start of the coverage and you're back off eight yards, seven, eight yards off. And, you know, you know that the uh, hitch is going to be there or the quick curl or the comeback. You know, disguise a little bit more of your coverages, and I think that would be too. Not saying that they don't, but I think that would help them too. Uh, okay, Coach. Let's see. Let's um, let's go to another voicemail. This is uh, one that's dear to your heart. I know you like this uh, formation. I'll play it for you. Hello, Ryan, Coach Ryan. This is Ed Duncan up in the high desert. I uh, wanted to congratulate the men of Troy. Uh, these kids are really, really playing their tail off. Uh, I would just like to uh, ask the coach something. Uh, I wonder why uh, USC doesn't use a two-back set. Uh, this Miller P.I., I believe I might be pronouncing his name wrong. 
wrong, but he seems to be a good running back. Why they don't bring him in and use a two-back set in order to give Donald uh, more time to throw the ball? Secondly, uh, still say the defensive coordinator has got to be more aggressive on third and long. Uh, any situation that's critical. We go soft almost 80, 90% of the time, and teams seem like they convert almost 80 and 90% of the time. So anyway, I look forward to your answer. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Ed, the high desert. Uh, first of all, you've heard me talk about the two-back set an awful lot because you can do a lot with the two-back set, especially with Carr being such a great receiver as far as, you know, running bootleg off of it, running him, and then sending him down the seam or curling him up. I'll tell you, he's another tight end in the receiver. I mean, he's a great receiver, and he's got great speed and great hands. So, as you know, a play-action pass off of a two-back set, off of a boot or whatever you might do, or a handoff straight ahead and you drop back and throw the ball, you do a lot of things off of that two-back set. And, uh, you know, a car could become a replacement of the tight end or a split receiver on that. So, yeah, uh, I like it. I like the cross-action off of a two-back set. I think it really holds the linebackers a great deal, especially when you cross your backs because you're not sure exactly what you're, what you're looking at. Sometimes as a linebacker you have to cross-key, which means you're actually keying the guy opposite than where you're lined up with the cross-key so that you don't get out of position. So there's a lot of things you do with a two-back set that I think is really good. And I'll tell you, Malapai has really been running, too. And I thought, really well, I thought Ware had a good game, too, along with Carr. I really did. It's great to have a stable of backs like that. It really is. So I like two back sets. And you don't have, a, have to have a lot of plays. I'm talking about one, two, three plays, couple of passes off of it, plash and pass with the boot and whatever. And then you're in great shape. I know the one reverse pivot. I tell you, the counter sweep, I don't know why they haven't put that in. And you all know what that is, where you reverse pivot. You start, you start off like you're going to the right, and you end up on the left with your guards and people kicking out, leading through there as far as holding the backside. They ran that last year. They have not run that this year. I don't know where that is in the offense as far as the playbook and so on. But both of the things you say, I agree with as far as the two-back set. Now, the third down and being aggressive on defense, uh, if you noticed, uh, USC's had a lot of tips. And from tips, there aren't just knockdown passes, which is like an incomplete pass. There's a lot of interceptions that come off of tip passes and hurried passes. Every time you hurry a quarterback, uh, his, his timing is off, and he can't see, and sometimes he makes that desperate throw. And that desperate throw goes to the wrong color jersey. So I agree with mixing it up. It's the same thing we talked about earlier. You mix it up on defense and you get after people and you never let that quarterback know what to expect. Yeah, I think the, the defense actually is pretty aggressive. I mean, that's one of the things Clancy Pendergast is known for. So I, I, would, I would disagree with this point that they just 80% or 90% of the time they just sit back. Uh, I don't think that's what Clancy likes to do. Um, and Percy has a question kind of along that line. What is the best adjustment for aggressive defensive blitzes uh, to stop or slow our run game? I'm, so, I'm sorry. It says, what is the best adjustment for aggressive defenses, defensive blitzes? Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. I Percy. get it. I know what he's saying. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not really worded very well, so I'm not sure. What think, well, then? what you got to do is you got to know who your hot receiver is when teams play that way. If they're bringing a corner, they're bringing a safety, you run the slant route. You run something where the ball goes where the guy comes from. Real quickly, you throw the ball to where the open area is. If it's an inside linebacker, your hot guy is your tight end. Flex him a little bit if they're doing a lot about that. You just stand back there. You know the guy's coming. You dump the ball to the tight end. Or you dump the ball to your second back down the seam where the backer's side's coming. Or you chip lock, you chip him, you hit him enough to stop him for a minute, then you go right down the scene, or you go to the open area. Or you, what you call area block, you sprint away from it. You sprint away, everybody steps to the way the quarterback's going, uh, the back picks up the guy on the end of the line of scrimmage, or the guy that's blitzing, and you come out and you throw quick routes as far as when you're running laterally. Remember, when someone's blitzing, they're coming straight, and you run away from them. So there's different type of patterns and different type of, of play action or 
series that takes you away from what they're doing. And uh, so you've got to be able to counteract when you see this happening. Or if you're not show, sure when they're doing it, you make your play calling already in advance to adjust to it in case they do. But you always have a hot going on or you have a color going on or a clap going on or the tight end recognizes, hey, this guy's coming. So when he comes and comes, you run to the open area and the quarterback drops you the ball. Or the split receiver knows this corner's come off me. He's going to... He's going to right now slant. Well, you look to see with the safety or whoever's calling you, and you run away from him. And you take a quick pass there. So there's a lot of different things you have to do to adjust to that. And that's working on it. It works. It really works well, and you can really hurt him. Tarek says, did USC find its third receiver in Tyler Vaughn's? And what do you credit the lackluster offensive line performance to? Well, uh, you know, we've been searching for that third receiver USC has, and uh, I told you last week I thought Tyler Vaughn is your third receiver. Now, the only way you become a third receiver is allow him to play, get a lot of reps, build up that confidence with uh, Darnold as far as his ability to catch the ball and be a player in the game, be a route guy, uh, get to be able to communicate with your quarterback, get to the open area so your quarterback has confidence he's going to throw the ball to you. It's the same thing as far as confidence. You're not going to throw the ball to guys dropping passes. So you've got to build up a confidence with your quarterback, and you can't do that alternating guys all the time, okay? So I'm not saying all the other players aren't great athletes and shouldn't get their opportunity, but I think right now he stands out to me a little bit ahead of some of the freshman players that are there, some of the other people. And you've got to gain this type of confidence with your with your offense, with your quarterback, and the communication between your receivers and uh, your passing game and the quarterback. So uh, I think that's basically uh, my feeling on that. I don't remember, oh, the offensive line question we basically answered earlier. Yeah. So I don't want to take time on that. Okay. Uh, Neil and Manila, Daniel, Daniel and Mentor Baby was so good in the red zone last year. How much does Coach Hyde think his return will help USC struggling red zone offense? And before, let me just mention too, uh, since we haven't talked about it yet, the release notes came out for the depth chart yesterday, and Kerry Angeline was not on the the notes. It said he had removed him from the roster, and it just said quit. That's all we got. Um, we didn't get that until after Clay Helton's conference call, so we didn't get to ask him about it. USC will practice this afternoon, so we'll be there to get you know, whatever the deal is with Kerry Angeline, why he's off the team. We have a thread up on uscfootball.com where we posted some of the rumors or some of the, what our sources were saying about him not being on the team anymore. So just to let you know, like he, he was potentially a red zone threat that I thought, um, but now he's gone too. So uh, get your thoughts on that coach with Daniel Metor Bebe and the, the red zone stuff. Well, you know, We've all had that happen as coaches, and, you know, players evaluate their competition better than anybody, okay? First of all, he's a winner. I'm sure he's a winner, and I'm sure he wants to play, so you can't really deny him that pride. And uh, he knows what follow and some of these other players that his opportunity of playing probably isn't going to be that good. Now, I don't agree with you leaving the team at this time. There's always a proper time as far as leaving the team. It's not me it's a team and when it's time to leave you have a conversation with your coach you sit down and say coach I'm not I'm not uh, an idiot I can see you have great tight ends here and they're going to come about and I, I might not have the opportunity of, of being who I am otherwise he's homesick or something else there could be other 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 reasons but I don't think you quit in the middle of a season you, you really don't do that there were some players last year who made that mistake and didn't get a Rose Bowl ring. And I, and I don't think that's, uh, they'll always regret that, okay? You never know where a team's going to end up. You might have an opportunity to be a part of a national championship team or a Pac-12 championship team, or whatever, and all of a sudden you've given that up. You'll be sorry your entire life. He's probably a great kid. I don't know him. But I think in a way you've got to finish what you start. And people will not regret if you transfer because in the in the long it's best for the kid. Kids used to come in with me, come in and sit down and say, "Coach, 
I'm not going to play. I know it. I, I don't want to I like to transfer. And I say, let me help you. Finish where we are. And I'll make the first call to wherever you should go, and I'll sit down and tell you what level of football I think you can play. If you're a Penn State guy or you're a guy that can play that level, I will help you get wherever you want to go. But I don't want an unhappy guy on my football team. I don't want a locker room lawyer. I don't want a poor me T-shirt around my practice field or a guy that doesn't want to be on the scout team and perform what he's supposed to be performing to make us a better football team. But if he does that with a good attitude, hell, we're going to be there to help him because we're the ones that probably made the mistake in evaluation of this kid. Or he didn't advance to the levels we expected him to. So I, I, I think the kid's a great kid. I don't know him, but I'm saying the timing of all this isn't good. you got to help your team get through what you started. And what about Daniel Metrobebe and USC's red zone problems? Well, you know, obviously he's a great player, but he's not available. Now, if the guy's available, then, then we talk about it. But right now, someone's got to step up and replace him and uh, make those plays. you got to have plays. But, you know, right now I don't think they have speed at their tight end, and I think he does have more speed. And uh, he's, 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 he's a smoother type of cat, a smoother player as far as a receiver. Uh, so I think he's got to jump on the guys that are playing, but hey, you know, number 82 is making some plays. And I, like I told you, he's learning. The kid's still learning. It's complicated. It's hard to learn all the things. I noticed the way he sat down and, and found the open area this week. He wasn't doing that earlier. And he's starting to find the only thing he does wrong. I think they, the receivers get too close together. You've got the short side of the field when, when Darnold rolls that way, and you got three or four guys in the same area. So uh, not when he rolls, when he gets flushed out. So guys have got to stay back because the whole secondary is going that way, and and you can't have all your defensive jerseys over there, and you got too much too much in one area. That's the best way of saying it. John Brea says, can you break down the play of the offensive line, specifically the tackles? Toa looks out of place at tackle. I've never seen a left tackle dive at the legs of a defensive lineman as much as I've seen him do that. Is that desperation or is that what he's being taught? Um, yeah, there were, there were some bad offensive line play, some penalties and some, some really, I don't know, especially short yarded stuff. But what do you, what do you think about that coach? Well, I'm not the offensive line coach and, uh, but you were one. USC has it. <laughs> I was one, but I'm not one now, but I think. Ryan, if you've listened to me, and you do, this entire offseason, I've always told you he's an offensive guard. I think he's going to be an offensive guard in the NFL. Uh, he's athletic inside. He can pull and do a lot of things. And sometimes you just don't feel natural at tackle. I'm not sure he feels natural playing tackle. Uh, the feeling of, of confidence and natural. He, to me, you heard me, so I'm not repeating something. Or, or making up something, okay? I always told you that at a tackle spot, these some of these other younger players who are a little bit different than him, they're bigger. Maybe they don't have the athletic ability he does, but but they they could possibly be a, a better tackle, and they get better and better and better and better. Uh, like maybe Chris Brown's a tackle, and Lobodon would be better inside. But that's not me coaching the offensive line. But I've always felt he would be better at a guard. Um, let's see. We got Sean in Sacramento. He said, the most common criticism of Sam Darnold this season has been the interceptions. Many of interceptions have come when Sam is making the type of throw that only Sam can make. But the defensive back simply makes a great play. I would consider these throws to be acceptable risks that often turn out in USC's favor. However, a few other interceptions have come on the throws that were simply mistakes. If you were Sam's coach... At what point does it become a problem worth mentioning to Sam since the coaching staff hasn't felt the need to say anything about it yet? What do you, uh, when do you bring it up? How would you coach Sam to help minimize the bad throws while preserving the boldness that makes him a great quarterback? Uh, that's a great one from Sean and Sacramento. Cause I talked to, uh, Tyson Helton last week, coach, and he was like, he didn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to take away what makes Sam special by focusing on trying not to make a mistake. You're exactly right. You don't, uh, you want an athlete to be an athlete. You don't want to take that ability out of, away from him. You know, he, 
he does make some of those plays, and the receivers make tremendous catches. The ball are in perfect places, but when you're double team and there's not much space and the coverage is pretty good, there's 50-50 chance bad things are going to happen. And uh, sometimes he gets away with it, and he's been very fortunate in, in some of those plays. Uh, the way I would uh, coach him is I'm not going to change him. I'm going to sit and watch a film with him. And I'm going to have him tell me. I'm going to say, let's watch this together. And I'm going to just back and forth, and I say, here, you run the projector. You run the video, the tape. And we look at it, and what do you think of that player? What do you think of this or that? And, and I'm going to let him tell me. I could tell him. I'm going to let him tell him, oh, coach, I should have thrown that one out of bounds. Oh, okay, I agree, I agree with you on that because that one wasn't a very good high percentage on that play. And we're down there in the red zone, and it's only second down, and we have five yards to go. It's not worth the risk. It's not really worth the risk on that one. Now, if there's somebody's open on the other side, yeah, it is worth the risk. And let's get the ball in there. Or, you know, we don't want to do something when we, uh, in the high percentages, we're in a scoring zone area anyway, to take a chance, like getting sacked or throwing the ball and getting an interception when we're going to get some points out of this area, okay? And we'd sit and watch it, and it wouldn't be much of a coaching session. I'd let him coach himself. I'd have him listen to him, and we'd talk about it like maybe we'd have a, a Coke over it. Sit down. Let him go. And maybe the other quarterbacks uh, wouldn't be in there. Maybe it'd just be me and him, okay? Like a personal sit-down, let's watch this together, and we'd have a little conversation. That's the way I'd probably do it. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's my opinion. All right. Uh, J.D. from D.C. This is now an all-cap, so J.D. is not happy. He said, reflecting on the missed fourth and one for USC in the Cal game, uh, I think he's talking about in the third quarter there, uh, when Cal lines up literally 10 defenders on the line of scrimmage and a middle linebacker about two yards deep, it must have been obvious to Sam that running straight up the middle wasn't going to work, considering USC only had six people blocking at the line of scrimmage. Why didn't he call an audible or a timeout? Either he, one, didn't recognize the defense, or two, he wasn't able to call an audible, or three, USC has no option in that situation. I don't know which of these explanations makes me scream more. Uh, J.D. from D.C. I'd also like to see him under center in those situations, but that's my opinion. What do you think, Coach? Well, you know, uh, if he'd have made it, we wouldn't be talking about it, but I understand his frustration here. You have a you have a quarterback who's a great quarterback and knows the game of football. you got to allow him uh, to make the decision on what's right or wrong in your offense in that situation. Sometimes when those things happen, you have to have the confidence that he can make the adjustments and let him go. You don't just go on a uh, on a play that you called. In fact, you even go to a point and you, you let him call the play on the line of scrimmage, depending on what they're doing on defense. Hey, he's a great player, okay? Let him make that decision. Sometimes, uh, yes, and I agree with you, you can't always do the same thing which USC has done. Sometimes on a short yardage like that, we talked about it last week. We just come around, you bootleg, you fake that, and you come around the outside with a back in the flat, and tied in a corner and a drag route, and one of them's going to be open. I'm going to tell you that right now because you're on the one-yard line. Sometimes you have to gamble. Sometimes you have to show them, hey, defense, you don't know what we're going to do. Well, I talked about it earlier. Keep them off balance. Might work, might not work. But at least they, you don't set a tendency that this is what you're going to do every time. And sometimes, yes, you're right, Ryan. You you just make an audible. You come up under center, and your quarterback sneak, or you do something else. But I think with a quarterback that's as intelligent as he is, and so on, you allow him to read the play and call the play on the line of scrimmage. Let's see, Rex in Georgia. He said, "Great win against Cal. I know we're we got a ton of turnovers when we got to the Cal quarterback trying to throw deep. However," Most of the first three quarters, Cal was able to complete underneath passes with no defenders near the receiver, in particular on Biggie's side. I'm quite concerned about the cushion we're giving up since uh, we're about to play Washington State, who lives in that area of passing. What do we need to do to get this fixed this week? Fight on, Rex in Georgia. Just Hey, Coach, just in general, a lot of defensive criticism when the, the defense really carried the team, probably the last couple of games, but get your thoughts on that. Well, it's because everybody wants perfection, and I think coaches want perfections. Players play their hardest, but 
they too uh, want perfection. And believe me, when you look at the tapes, you tell kids, hey, that was a great job. That was a great job. That was a great job. Why is it we always talk about the things that are negative, the games we lose rather than the games we win? Why do we remember more as a coach and a, and a fan about the games and the player, the ones we lost and the games we won? It's because we win. And you want to win, you're a winner. And you don't want, you always point to the negative things even in your business. Uh, when you make a big deal in your business, hey, that's the way it's supposed to be. When you lose a sale, hey, that's bull. Who screwed this up? Uh, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. So it's a natural thing from winners. You've got to make sure that you improve. And, and we say it, you've got to get better every day or every week. And game day is every day when you compete. So uh, that's what people are looking at that's what people are seeing and again let's point out the positive thing you know you're four and oh and two and oh in the back 12 how long has that been you've won 13 straight yes but you want to continue winning so you have to continue improving and all of a sudden now you're going to face a team like washington state on a friday where everybody's talking about all the what's going to this and what's going to do that and i mentioned it sort of in my opening par uh, statement when i said you know it's, it's an extra day to celebrate and they do something unique, and why do they do that up in Washington State? Because it equalizes the athletic ability that they don't have over others. They had to find a way to equalize it. They don't get the same players. So they hire Mike Leach, and this is what he does. It's like at the Naval Academy with their option, or Georgia Tech and the way they run their option, or the Academy, Army, or Navy, and Air Force, all of them. They do something different to equalize because they don't have the same amount of great athletes that USC or Oregon or some of these teams have that they play. And they're better at what they do than you are defensing it because they do it every single day. And this is what equalizes the playing field for them. So you have three or four days to prepare for something they do every day of the year. So that's what equalizes it. Uh, you know, there probably isn't, there may be a player or two on, Washington State's team that USC offered or visited. Uh, I'm glad that Dante Burnett came to USC. Uh, he had the opportunity of going, I believe, to Washington State. And they've got some great athletes out there. And why are they better at Washington State? Because they put them in a position to be better, and they run something they can run. And they try to get a loop that can do what they execute, and they're pretty damn hard to stop. But who have they played? Tell me who they have played. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but this is going to be their first real challenge, and I'd make them really work for it. I'd tell them right now, we're going after him. Yeah, they're going to throw the quick flats and the seams and all these different things. You've got to disguise your coverage, but again, you've got to hurry your quarterback and cause him to make mistakes and then also drop back. So there's a lot of different things you can do, but again, I would tell them, hey, guys, are we going to allow them to beat us they're undefeated. they got a lot of confidence. This is the second week in a row you're going to a bowl game. Cal had their bowl game last week, Joe Roth Day and all of that, and you're going to go to this crazy site with all these kids and stuff in a small arena and who knows what, and this is their bowl game. They're playing the fifth-ranked team in the country. If they go to a bowl game, they won't play a fifth-ranked team in the country, Okay. So this is what it's all about, and you've got to be able to rise up to the occasion to take the challenge. And you've got to put a simple plan together where your athlete and what you do is better than their athlete and what they do. But you don't have a lot of time to do it. Um, so Washington State, they beat Montana State 31 nothing. So all their games have been at home. They have five straight home games to open the season. They Who were, have they played? So Montana State, 31 nothing. Boise State, they beat in three overtimes. It was a miracle comeback. They definitely should have lost that game. Oregon State's terrible, 52-23. And then they beat up 45-7 uh, on Nevada uh, Saturday, and they're, they're a pretty awful team, too. Um, right. So nothing against them, Ryan, except, hey, guys. Well, I mean, we played Texas, Stanford. We played some pretty good teams. Yeah. Let's get after their you-know-what. And I would challenge my team. Let's get after their... I want to be able, every single one of you, when I talk to you after the game, I want to look at you in the face. I want you to I want you to look at me, and I want you to tell me that you did your very best. And if you did your very best, then I made a mistake on who I recruited. Um, we got so uh, one more email and then one voicemail for you. Uh, Tarek, real quick, 
does Levi Jones have a future at Sam linebacker once Uchenna and Wusu leaves? And uh, he, Levi came in for one play against uh, Texas and got some great pressure um, in that one. So I, I liked what I've seen for him. We just haven't seen him a whole lot, Coach. Well, you know, you're keeping a great athlete off the field here. Uh, I, I reckon I think he's going to be coming better and better and better because he's playing. He's becoming a football player. Number 89, if you don't know who that is. And I think Levi, I mean, I've been talking about this since recruiting, National Signing Day. He's a football player. He gets off the ball. He's speed. He has instincts. I would have him on the field somewhere. Yeah, I think he'd be a great outside guy, but he's going to put pressure. He's going to beat the the tackle out of his stance, okay? You're going to tell your tackle, play off the line of scrimmage as far as you can play off and make your first step backwards as far as you can and be able to block him or he's going to be by you. So, yeah, I think he should play inside linebacker, uh, maybe. What have I said all the time? I've said outside linebacker, where you put a, where you force everything back to the inside. But, again, coach knows what they're trying to attempt to do. They know what the depth of their personnel is. I am second-guessing, and I shouldn't. All right, coach, we got one last one. Our buddy Myron has a voicemail, so I thought this would be a funny one to, to end on. Here we go. Hiya. This is Myron from Queens. Oh, Coach Hyde, we did it. Here's a quick update. I took your advice, and I let Miss Esther Morgan in the huddle. And she has taken the ball, and baby, has she run with it. We are officially an item. The whole building is talking about it. And I feel 70 again. This week's question. Yes, honey, from both of, from both of us, from, from both of us, comes with a little bit of confusion. There was about 80 of us in the laundry room. And whenever they would get on defense, they would say, Will, Mike, and Sam. And I said, who the hell? So after about an hour of this, I finally said, who the hell are these, you know, I know Sam, but he don't play defense, and I don't, I looked at the roster, and there ain't no Will, and there ain't no Mike. So I don't know what, I'm afraid to say it, but I think we might need new announcers, either that, or, you know, maybe we missed something, you know, we are a bit older. Okay. Uh, let's have a great week and to keep the fighting on and bye-bye now. <laughs> oh, Myron. I mean, the laundry room, man, you must have, I don't, you get good reception down there, Myron. Yeah. Uh, I hope you do. Uh, That's but, a lot uh, of chairs in the laundry room, man. 80 people. Can you believe that? That's tremendous. Myron, then make sure you have concessions, or if you can't, make sure you do, but you can make a few bucks down there. But people are not going to want to walk up, walk upstairs. I bet he's got it all set up down there for everybody. <laughs> Don't you believe that, Ryan? Maybe, sure. maybe you and I ought to visit him in the laundry room. Huh? We're, next time I'm in Queens, I'm definitely going to check out Myron's place. Make sure you do that. Myron, Mike, and Sam, it's, there. it's just a term that's used. Will and these different terms that are used for as far as for positions, they're general terms. Sam is normally the Sam linebacker, and Mike is normally the strong sides linebacker, and Will is normally, uh, uh, they don't, they call it Will rather than weak side linebacker. It used to be years ago you call it weak side linebacker. Well, people got away from that. What do you mean weak side? It's not a weak side, so they call it Will as far as for the side away from the tight end or a different type of play. Uh, Mike is in the middle of more physical type of guy, and Sam is the guy that normally plays towards the tight end side and more of a physical guy to take on uh, the more power type of plays that go that way. So it's just a term that's used uh, as far as in football. Cool. Myron, thanks for that and all the questions. And, uh, Coach, thanks you. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, look forward to talking to you again here real soon. And, again, thank you all out there for uh, buckling up and riding along with us. Please have a safe week, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next week. And, again, good luck to all of you out there, no matter who you cheer for. Yeah, we'll be back in just one minute. We're going to talk with Joe Duffy about some of the odds on this USC game coming up against Washington State. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. 
You know, ever since I started the Peristyle podcast 10 years ago, people have been asking me for betting advice. And mostly, if I think USC will be covering the point spread. Well, let me tell you this. Where you are betting is just as important as which side you are betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie's been in business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? Lay down some cash, and you can win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they definitely have. That's why I'm telling you to make your way over to mybookie.ag because they pay and they also have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. So go now to mybookie.ag. They will match your deposit with a 100% bonus if you use the promo code PARASTYLE. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Okay, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. As promised, we're bringing back in Joe Duffy. So he's the CEO of Offshore Insiders, and he's on here on behalf of mybookie.ag. We want to talk about some of the odds uh, around this USC-Washington State game, uh, USC against the spread so far this season, and the odds for Sam Darnold uh, to win the Heisman. Joe, thanks for coming in again. How are you doing? Well, thank you for having me, uh, Ryan. Yeah, your guys have been keeping some games close, but they are undefeated. Yeah, undefeated. Uh, if you want, uh, by the way, if you want to follow um, Joe on uh, Twitter, what's your what's your Twitter handle, Joe? Yeah, it's at off, Offshore Insider. There's no S at the end. Okay. So although my website is Offshore Insiders, was limited by the character. So it's a, at <laughs> Offshore Insider. Okay, so we'll follow. I'll, I'll make sure I tweet that out after the game stuff too. So um, I so I do picks for the pack our the Pac-12 podcast I do, and USC is one in three against the spread this year. I've picked. USC not to cover any of them, so I'm doing pretty good against that. They did not cover against Cal, although it was tied going into the fourth quarter, and then USC gets a 17-point lead, and then Cal gets like a garbage touchdown. So it was sort of like a backdoor, backdoor cover, I guess. Yeah, it was. And look, uh, California, they are like that because the bad teams tend to lose games that way. I know as we talked last week, Cal was maybe playing a little bit above their head, but, uh, yeah, the, the backdoor cover, that's something that definitely has gamblers pulling their hairs out. I have to, you know, I'm sure like just about any gambler out there, I always seem to remember the games that I lose that way and completely forget <laughs> about the games that I win that way. But they are one in three against the spread. Um, you know, in the past, I've called that a dichotomous spread in ATS team, which when you have a team that's, you know, for example, as USC, the four no straight up, but only one in three against the spread. Usually you would want to fade a team like that because they're not going to lose that much value in the offshore lines at mybookie.ag because they keep winning straight up. But that record tells you that maybe they are a little bit overvalued. So, again, it's it's one of the metrics I don't weigh as heavily as I used to. Um, in previous years, I kind of used that a little bit more in the NBA. But, yeah, when a team has a great spread record and a terrible ATS record or vice versa, usually you keep riding that ATS record. Okay. Um, yeah. Th- th- so this week it's a little different. The spread's not going to be as big. It's a Friday game, short week. Washington State is their fifth straight home game. Right. Uh, you know, they, they look good against Nevada, who's pretty much garbage, but, uh, maybe talk about the line for this game, USC and Washington State. Yeah, USC opened up as a six-point favorite at mybookie.ag, so now they're down to a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which means that the the big money came in early on Washington State, expecting them to cover. Of course, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to it. Both of these teams are on a short week. However, the schedule maker, much nicer to Washington State. Not only are they playing their fifth straight home game, but, of course, they were off of a snoozer last week. So, you know, they're a lot more rested like, California, or I'm sorry, USC, as we know, off of a game that was a little too close against California, and we kind of alluded to it in our previous podcast. So, you know, think about it. Three straight weeks, big rival, Stanford, an impressive game. A Texas game that was a little closer than it should have been, uh, much closer than it should have been, went into overtime. And then, of course, a little bit of a sweat with California. So I think the schedule maker really says that, and of course, USC is playing back-to-back road games, So it's a quote-unquote, I think, shorter week for USC than it is Washington State, or I should say more accurately, maybe a lot tougher for USC playing on a short week. However, this came as a little bit of a surprise to me when both teams have uh, less than a full week rest 
when road teams are off of a road game, the home teams off of a home game, road teams actually a pretty solid 22 and 14 against the spread, including seven and four as road favorites. And for those people who are listening who actually don't really care about the spread outcome, at least in this game, maybe they're, you know, hardcore USC fans that uh, the team under those circumstances, nine and two straight up. So that angle wow. does say that despite the scheduling dichotomy, which would seemingly benefit Washington State, historically, it really does not. And that road teams do very well straight up and against the spread in circumstances like this. So like I said, I've picked against USC in the spread every week, but this is the week I feel like it's a it's a smaller spread. It's on the road. And this is one of those ones I just think USC puts it together. So uh, I don't know why, but this is the week I feel more confident about USC covering the spread than all the other ones. Yeah, USC is most definitely the uh, superior team. Look, Washington State, obviously, Mike Leach has done a good job making them relevant again. But I think just about every preseason publication and just about every expert agrees that USC is the much better team. And especially as a general thumb, I say that if you fade line moves that have nothing to do with injuries, you're usually in pretty good shape. So in that uh, situation, look, the odds makers are saying USC should have been a six point favorite, but now they're only a three and a half point favorite. And uh, yeah, you, you may be right. I think what will be quite interesting is, as you know, USC, their fourth quarter has been their best quarter, 62 and uh, they were outscoring teams in the fourth quarter, 62 to 31. But will the fact that they are a little bit more weary on a short week than Washington State. Would that apply here, or is it because, you know, Washington State, as I said, the, they're playing their fifth straight home game and a, a, you know, a very easy game last week. Maybe USC's advantage in the fourth quarter will not apply here, and I think that's probably the toughest part from a handicapping standpoint to see how these teams match up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Washington State comes out of the gate really quickly. They completely dominate the first half of games. USC hasn't scored in the third quarter, Joe, since the the Western Michigan game, which is kind of weird. You know, coming out of halftime, they haven't scored against Stanford, Texas, or Cal in the third quarter. Yeah, but the good thing is, look, USC has played up or down to their competition. Obviously, their best game all year was against Stanford, and this is their their second toughest game. So teams that do, you know, play up, up or down to the competition Sometimes that can be a year-long thing based on my experience of being a handicapper. So the fact that USC has played their best against the best is clearly a very good thing this week. Uh, one last thing, the the Sam Darnold um, Heisman odds. Yeah, I know he hasn't played all that well, but he's still one of the favorites, it looks like, for the Heisman. The odds makers say that it's basically a five-man race. Saquon Barkley is now the leader at plus 130, which is quite interesting because, you know, it's in the last – seven, eight years or whatever, it's really become a quarterback-dominated game. But Barkley's just crazy. He's averaging a stunning 7.8 yards per carry. And then after that, it uh, tightens up Baker Mayfield plus 250. And then there is, uh, you know, Jackson is plus 700. Uh, Lamar Jackson, then Mason Rudolph at plus 700. And that's what Sam Darnold did. He, he is in a three-way tie for third place. Um, as a plus 700. And again, that would convert to seven to one. It's based on $100 per bet at mybookie.ag. So yeah, he is at the bottom of a five man race, but the odds makers right now think it's down to those uh, five. But you know, a, a lot can change between now and then. And clearly, since Darnold played his best against Stanford, here is a chance for him to make a big statement this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, as long as they keep winning, he's going to, I think he'll stay up there, you know. Decent numbers yeah. and they keep winning. Uh, Mason Rudolph loses and they, you know, and, but his numbers are ridiculous. So, um, Joe Duffy, so CEO of Offshore Insiders and here, and here on behalf of mybookie.ag. Thanks so much, Joe, for coming in again and, uh, talking about the odds. It's always interesting to me. No, it's always, uh, fantastic, Ryan. I enjoyed very much and we will talk to you guys next week. All right. Sounds good. That's Joe Duffy. Check him out. Offshore Insiders. Dot com. Uh, this is Ryan Abraham, your host of the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning into our show this week, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 